It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? For those of us who grew up sometime in between 1968 and 2001, we had the chance to listen to Mr. Rogers as he asked all of us watching to be his neighbors while he taught us about different jobs, events, and how to interact with others. Now, purely for research purposes only, not nostalgia at all, I pulled up an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on PBS.org and watched Mr. Rogers and Mr. McFeely, the speedy delivery man, teach about giving and receiving. And I also learned how to make fortune cookies, or at least how they're made. Watching it was like going back to my grandparents' house. It was something familiar and welcoming. Okay, so what does Mr. Rogers have to do with the story of the Good Samaritan? What story is this even? Well, let's hear it. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. That begs the question, who is my neighbor? Are my neighbors the ones who live near me? The ones who look like me? The ones who have the same beliefs as me? Now, if you ask the internet, a neighbor is a person living near or next door to the speaker or person referred to, or a place or thing situated next to or very near or something. If you ask Jesus, a neighbor is someone that you come alongside. A neighbor is someone that you love like yourself. A neighbor is anyone that we come in contact with. Now that's both fabulous and terrifying. It's fabulous in the sense that the definition of neighbor is so much bigger than what we often think of it as. It means that we have a call and even an obligation to help others that we know are in need of help. And it's terrifying in the sense that it can and will pull us out of our comfort zones and put us in contact with others who may not share our beliefs or who might even challenge our own deeply held beliefs. When we think of who our neighbor is, who we are called to love and who we are called to help and serve, what image do you get in your mind? Who are the people we are called to be advocates for? Now, some groups seem easy to advocate for, 
those who are young, innocent, unable to speak for or help themselves. Last week, I was having a conversation with others about housing insecurity within our own community, and we learned that it is significantly easier, though still not easy at all, to get help when you have children than if you're childless. And even then, it seems as if children are only important when they're very young and then forgotten about as they grow older, even if they still need help and aid to succeed in life or even just to survive. And their parents are even more of an afterthought, dismissed based on their life choices or told to pull up their bootstraps and help themselves. There are many different opinions about who needs help, who deserves help, and who should help. The bigger question is why are we unwilling to help others, especially those who are different? We know how to step up in times of need. Since the beginning of the Ukraine-Russia war, millions of dollars have been raised by Lutheran World Relief to help the people of Ukraine. And this is a great and wonderful thing. And I think many of us do want to help others. We just don't always know how to do so. And sometimes the things that we do are not at all helpful. I remember back several years ago when a terror attack happened in France and Facebook had the bright idea to have us show our support for France by allowing us to change our profile pictures to have a French flag superimposed on top. At the time, if one did not have this flag on their picture, you questioned whether or not that individual cared about what happened. And now I look back and think, well, that was kind of silly. It reminds me of this great meme that I found regarding Lord of the Rings. For those unfamiliar with the story, at one point in time in the movie and the books, the city of Gondor, which was near the country of Mordor, where the evil Eye of Sauron ruled, trying to take over all of Middle-earth, and Gondor called for aid. Theoden, the king of a neighboring country, answered the call for aid with an army. Now, this meme shows what the response would have been like if Theoden had followed the example of the Facebook flag response. Cute, but wholly unhelpful. Now, when thinking about the Levite and the priest who passed by, the man beaten on the side of the road, I do want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they wanted to help, they just didn't know how to, or what to do. Maybe they thought that he was already dead. Maybe they saw him, but it didn't register that he needed help because they were so focused on other things. And perhaps they were actively avoiding him. They didn't want to deal with helping someone at that moment or at all because it would throw them off their path. It would take time and money. The Samaritan man, however, took the time and the effort and the money to help this man who had been beaten and was dying in the road. So often when we hear this text, we want to put ourselves in the position of the Samaritan who is willing to help and condemn the Levite and the priest for not helping. For those who have no time for religion, it's a way to say, see, see those religious people don't actually care about helping. They just care about themselves. It was a Samaritan whom the church had rejected because of his nationality or ethnicity who actually helped the man. But what if I were to tell you that we aren't the Samaritan or the priest or the Levite, but instead we are the man who's laying half dead in the road? 
What if I were to tell you that the Samaritan is not a person outside the church, but rather Jesus himself, who picks us up, brings us to receive aid, and pays for that aid out of his own pocket through his sacrifice on the cross? How does that change your understanding of this story? That is the good news of Christ. Christ rescues us. Christ saves us. There will be times where we are able to help others who are laying half dead along the side of the road, like the Samaritan. And there will be times when we totally ignore or avoid those who need help, like the priest or the Levite. And there will be times when we absolutely and totally break one of the most important commandments to love our neighbor as ourselves because we're humans who don't always do what we're supposed to do. This story calls us to imagine and remember that we have been the ones in need of aid and we have received that aid through those whom Jesus has sent to be his hands and feet in the world. We are called to love and help our neighbors by being open and sent by Christ to bring aid to those who need it and reimagining who our neighbors are. The mercy that we have been shown by Christ spills out as we show mercy to others, asking them to be our neighbors. Let's live in a world where we can follow the words of Mr. Rogers when he asks, won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? Amen. This next week, I encourage you to take a deeper look by journaling about, meditating on, or talking about these questions, either by yourself or with another person or small group. The first is, who do you consider to be your neighbor? And the second, how does God call us out of our comfort zones to care for others?